0: You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is, It's
1: a Gift. I'd like you to go to Proverbs 18. Let's do Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18, 16. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. I had a conversation this week with a gentleman from well, say the country in Africa, and he has had a tremendous impact at a very young age in that country. And I said, well maybe then you should go see the president of that country, and share the gospel with him. And his eyes kinda got big like, well that can never happen. This is a very gifted young man, and there is no reason why his giftedness would not land him in front of the president. You say, what if that's not what God wants? What if that's what God wants? And you're not prepared, you don't even have a category for that. And so God has a way of stretching us and making us aware sometimes of the gifts that he has given us and that he intends us to use. I don't think, and we'll see some scripture here about this in a minute, you say, well, God gave me this gift and I'm just going to have my gift. The gifts that he gives are great gifts, but they're gifts that he intends to give you that he might use in and through you to change the world. Now go to Matthew chapter two. The story of Jesus, the account of Jesus' birth, you can read some of this in Luke. We're gonna read a section here in Matthew chapter two, if everybody's got that, we'll jump in at verse one. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So who did they come looking for? They came looking for a king, and specifically they knew he was the king of the Jews. For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So they have seen his star, and what is the purpose of their visit? It is to worship him. A lot of people go to churches with all kind of reasons, and the least of which sometimes is to worship So they go to what? To worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when they had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it was written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." So even the prophets, even the rulers there knew, we know where Messiah is going to come from. So these guys are going to Bethlehem because that's where the prophecy says he'll be born. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come in the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. Now, it keeps coming back to this worship thing because it's all about worship. That's how the thing starts. The shepherds come. God's been born. The wise men show up within two years. They fall down. These are distinguished men, obviously wealthy men. The first thing they do is fall down and worship him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, you say, well, is this some sermon about giving money or anything? No. Let me tell you something. I don't do many sermons on money at all because here's what we focus on. We focus on worship. And when you worship, you give. Giving comes out of worship. Giving comes out of a personal relationship. So when I find people who actually give consistently in a church, unless it's out of guilt or some manipulation or you know, they want a plaque on a pew or some weird thing, they want something named after them, then eventually you watch that person and people who give, you can usually follow them to some place of worship. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. It does not say where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. It says where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So what does it say here about these wise men? Where was their treasure? Presented to the king. Where was their heart? With that king. They showed up with their treasure, but they showed up primarily to worship. So you say, well, I don't worship anything. Yeah, you do. You worship something. You actually might worship some sin. You're just unaware that that's what you worship. If you want to figure out what you worship, ask yourself what you've given your life to. I've got a buddy. I texted him yesterday, and he doesn't know that I know, but I saw a picture of him the other day. And he looked like he was about to die. And he worships, but he worships meth. comes from a very wealthy family, and I think the stats are like 98% of people who try meth a second time never get off. Is that close? So, is he a believer? Yes. Is he going to get off meth? I don't know. Not good odds. God's going to have to intervene. But he has given his life to meth. What have you given your life to? You say, well, no, I'm not on that end of the spectrum. I've given my life to God and I am working for God. That is not worship, that's work. When you worship, then the doing that comes out of being in relationship with him, that is something different. Then what you do is him living in you and through you, and that becomes an expression of what he is doing in your heart, and it's an overflow issue, not I'm going to do something for God, and then because of that, he will like me. Because of that, he will love me. Because of that, he'll accept me. I told a guy this this week again. Even if I quit today, if I say I'm out forget this, forget you guys, forget everybody, forget God, double barrel, flip him off and walk out the door. He will never love me any more or any less than he does right now. His love is constant. You say, yeah, but what if you don't behave properly, you disobey him. has nothing to do with how he loves me. Now, he may discipline me because I am his child and he will, but he even does that because he loves me. Go to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two few pages to the right from Matthew and look at verse 38 Peter has preached a pretty big sermon here and they're wondering what they got to do then Peter said to them Acts two thirty-eight: repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit the gift of the Holy Spirit when do you get that gift you get the gift of the Holy Spirit package deal when you become a Christian So the day that as a young child, when I prayed a simple prayer and said, God, I know I'm a sinner, very simple. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead to pay for my sin, you know, come into my heart, Lord Jesus kind of thing. The second I accepted Jesus as my Savior, Holy Spirit moves in. And there's a woman in this room who I love the way she says this. I have yet to this day to hear her refer to him as the Holy Spirit. When she speaks of him, she speaks of him as a person and says, well, Holy Spirit told me this. He ain't a the, he's a he. And so when it gets personal like that, and you say, well, and one little girl said this week, well, when will I hear his voice? Like she was waiting to hear an audible voice. I am yet to hear an audible voice, but I hear his voice all the time. You say, well, how is that possible? I can look over here at my redheaded wife and smile at her and almost start crying just looking at her, and she will know that I love her, and I don't have to say a word. We can stare at each other and communicate. So if that can happen between human beings with the touch of a hand, then why can't God communicate with you and direct you? I think he's broadcasting all the time. I just don't think we're tuned into his channel. We change channels on him, like we do with the starving kids with the remote. Don't want to be thinking about that right now. Let's get back to that ball game. So if you're a Christian, what have you got? You have a gift, the gift of a person. The Holy Spirit moves in and lives in you. You say, well, I don't know that I'm a Christian. I don't feel that. Let me tell you how close this is. You are I can't even tell you you're that close. It's just literally like receiving a gift. I go to a fish place here in town a lot, like fish, they opened a new place near our office. I go over there, I meet their new manager, young Hispanic guy, and struck up a conversation. And realized he was having some challenges in his marriage with a couple little kids. And I said, "Hey, let's sit down and talk." Gave him my number, maybe thirty-ish, and you could tell he was overwhelmed with life. So I left left him away to listen to some messages, went back. He said he'd been listening. And then the other day, it was probably about 3 o'clock, I realized I didn't stop to eat anything, so I went over there. Nobody in the place said, hey, have you got a minute to sit down? And we sat down in a booth, and I shared with him that God loved him, that Jesus died for him, buried, raised from the dead, went through the whole thing, demonstrated the nature of a gift. And he reached out and took the keys that I offered him as the explanation. I said, Raphael, it's a gift. I said, you can't pay for a gift the nature of a gift is you just can't pay for it. I said, you can take it or leave it, but you can't pay for it. And I said, would you be interested in receiving that gift? He said, yes. I said, like right now? He said, yeah, right now. And I almost stopped and thought, okay, let me go back and explain this because this is going way too smooth and way too fast. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it's like a woman about to have a baby. Like you in labor? Yeah. You sure this baby's coming? There's a head down there. You can see the head. I think that baby's coming. Well, let's be sure. There's no being sure. When a baby's about to be born, it's coming, right? So sitting there in that booth, he prays a simple prayer, and what happened? He understood that it was a gift, and he said, God, thank you for the gift, accepted it, and bam, his whole life has changed, just like that. It's a gift. And repeatedly, people will say to me, well, it just can't be that simple. It can't be that easy. Now, listen to me. Easy for who? You say, well, it seems so easy for me. Exactly. But think about what God himself had to go through to make that so easy for you. The deal is not, okay, I'll tell you what, we're going to send Jesus, and he'll make like a 10% down payment, and then you're going to have to work your butt off for the other 90, and then we'll talk about it when you get here. It's 100% bought, paid for. So don't be thinking, oh, this is too easy. It costs God his only son coming down here to this place, and I know it's a pretty place, But there's a lot of bad stuff going on down here. And he was willing to come in here, born of a virgin, live a sinless life, die on a cross, be buried and raised from the dead, and offer you a package deal. Here, it's a gift. Take it or leave it. And so people say to me, well, I don't think a loving God would send anybody to hell. Now let me tell you something about that. What do you want him to do more than he's done? What's he going to offer you more than himself, his own son? So you end up in hell I hate to tell you this, but you end up in hell, you picked it. You say, well, I don't like the sound of that. Then do something about it. It's a gift. Go to Romans chapter 12. Okay, Romans chapter 12. Some of you know some of this by heart. Some of you have never seen this in your life, so pay attention. Romans 12 verse 1. I beseech you, this is Paul writing to this church in Rome, these people in Rome, I beseech you, or I beg you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present. And I love the fact that this word is so many words. Is it present? Is it present? Is it present? We are present here. I like to read this in this way, that you present your bodies. What's the difference in presenting your bodies or presenting your bodies? If I present my body a what? A living sacrifice, then I'm saying, I abandon me completely. I present myself to you, God. I am your present. Present your life as a present in the present, or you can kiss your future goodbye. So you say, God, I present you my body. What do I got to give you? I got nothing to give you. If you wrote a check for everything you have and you gave it somehow, that's not all you have. And back to the money thing, some people write checks hoping he won't want more. You say, well, I wrote God a check. Now I'm off the hook. He's got to be happy now. Let me tell you what he's happy with. He wants everything, everything. You say, well, what if he wants me to die? That's not what this verse is about. What does he say? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. What is the nature of a sacrifice? When a sacrifice is presented in the Old Testament, anywhere a sacrifice was presented, the sacrifice died. It was lost, nothing. It's gone, consumed. So you say, well, how can I be a living sacrifice? It means there's nothing left but him. It's all him. You say, well, I'll lose my life that way. This is a terrible verse. The book says if you try to hold on to your life, that's when you lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake, voila, And that's Hebrew. Voila. (laughs) You found it. So all the people going around is holding on. Oh, I got to control my life. I got to decide everything. It's got to be about me, 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 me. And then you get to the end of your life and go, I lost everything. Just present it, present it to him now and see what he can do with it. where did he get the grace? It was given to him. To everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Okay? Okay? So now just take a second on these gifts. So it turns out that with the gift of eternal life comes the gift of the Holy Spirit, and with the gift of the Holy Spirit comes specific gifts that a body needs. And so you say, Well, but I can't get up and preach like you do. You're not supposed to, maybe. You say, Well, I don't know what my gift is. Then ask the gifter what it is. You say, Well, I don't even think the gifter, the Holy Spirit, lives in me. Then get him in you. Well, how do I get him in me? Accept the gift. It's amazing what happens when Jesus moves in. You get him in your heart. You get the Holy Spirit moving in, and all of a sudden he says, okay, I got you. And it's a package deal. With the gift of eternal life comes a gift. So I'm gonna show you what your gift is. And you say, well, what if it's not a big deal? Everybody's gift is a big deal because it's what he gave you to give back to him. People say, well, I don't have a lot of money to give. We have had through the years, single moms, people almost destitute, Uh, give money. I'd have to pull this up. I don't know. Somebody got this text. We got, I think, in an envelope from children's ministry the other day, was it 15 cents? 15 cents. We get letters from all over the place from the radio ministry, not just in this area, but 45 states, 150 countries, stuff comes in. And one day, an envelope came in, and inside it was a used card, that had been repurposed, and inside that used card was a five-dollar bill and a little note. And I'm pretty sure that five dollars is still sitting on my desk in that note because that is some of the most precious money I've ever seen in my life. You now we got people that give five thousand, we got people that give a dollars we got people that do all kind of stuff, and I don't minimize that. But when people tell you a story that they have nothing, we had another lady that said. The $100 she sent was the $100 that she had hidden in her wallet for emergencies. If everything fell apart, she had an emergency stash, and she pulled that and put it in an envelope. Now that's a gift. You say, well, my gift's a gift too. What if you got nothing to give but you? Great old story of a little boy in a church. The offering plates were passed. And he didn't have anything to give, and he simply put the plate on the ground and stood in it, because that's all he had. See, we get so afraid that if I give God my life, he's going to take my life. He's going to ruin my life. It might cost me my life. What if you bowed and worshiped and gave him what he's given you to give back, and all of a sudden he began to take care of you like you've never taken care of yourself in your whole life? That turns out to be the gift of a lifetime because you literally give him your lifetime. I was in business for a long time and honestly was not very good at it. And part of the reason I'm very grateful that it didn't go well is I might still be out there, but that's not what I was made to do. And if you ever figure out what God purchased you for, what he gifted you for, what he made you to do, and let him begin to use you and do in and through you what he intended. You have no idea how your life will change. Read the rest of this. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So everybody's got something. You'd be amazed how fast you can figure out what your gift is by just watching what comes out of you. How he's trying to use you. Go to one last verse maybe. Romans chapter 6. And this is about as, as simply as I can put it in verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the first question is this. If someone asked you, if you drop dead, where would you go when you really don't have an answer? You can leave here today with an answer. And it is as simple as reaching out, your, as it were, the hand of your heart and saying, God, I accept what you offer as a free gift. I understand it's a gift. I accept it, and I ask you to come live in me and through me. It is that simple. The nature of Christmas, the nature of any birthday, anything, someone comes and says, hey, I brought you a gift. The nature of a gift is you cannot pay for a gift. All you can do is say thank you and take it or say no thank you and pass. And if you do that, that's on you. That's not on God. And now you're really in trouble because if you've never heard this before, you're accountable. And you drop dead and you stand before the God who created the universe. And I've shared this a few times this week, and I'm almost hesitate to say it again because I can't get my head around it. Do you know how many planet Earths would fit inside the sun? 1.3 million. There is a star that they have found. Do you know how many suns can fit inside that star? 9.2 billion. And you know who made all of that? The God who lives right here in me. If he can do billions of galaxies... And is willing to move into your heart and into your life, don't you think he could take better care of you than you could take care of you? And wouldn't he be worthy of your worship and everything you have to give? Everything. Whatever I've given him, I've gotten back exceedingly abundantly above anything I could ever ask or think. The part of the package deal is I got all my sin forgiven, I got eternal life. I got peace, joy, love, long-suffering. I got all the fruit basket full of stuff that I didn't have any of that
0: before I had him. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the Talks page along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. Now this isn't out of the Bible, but everybody
1: usually knows about this, and it helps. Come, they told me, parumpa, pump, a newborn king to see, parumpa Pum Pum. Our finest gifts we bring to lay before the king. So to honor him, parumpa Pum Pum, when we come. Little baby, I am a poor boy too. I have no gift to bring that's fit to give our king. Shall I play for you on my drum? Mary nodded. The ox and lamb kept time. I played my drum for him. I played my best for him. Then he smiled at me, me and my drum. So, what you got? You got nothing he didn't give you, I can tell you that. Even if you completely deny him, your breath, your very life, you got from him. You say, Well, I made all this money. How'd you make all that money if you weren't breathing? How'd you build your empire without life? You got nothing that didn't come from him. And he's asking you to take a risk, which is really no risk at all, it's just faith, and say, what I do have, I lay all at you, a living sacrifice, I give you myself. Now I meet some pretty seedy people, and they really got nothing to show for their lives. It's a mess. And I will say this as delicately as I can, I usually use different words with them in the moment, But some people feel like all they have to offer God is a pile of you-know-what, like a life of manure, that's all they got to show for. And what I tell them is this, then slide it all in because it turns out this Jesus can take a seed and your manure turns out to be the most fertile place on the planet. Give him something, give him everything. You say, but you don't know what I've done, where I've been, all what I've said. You know what? I don't need to know all that. I've heard enough for a lifetime. He already knows all that.
0: Just trade it in. It's a gift. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talks from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD, or Talks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.